following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 763 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. Well, we took a quick trip to New Orleans. And when I say quick, I mean quick. We landed at Friday around 4. We landed at Friday. Did I say that? You did. Okay. We landed at Friday we at la- 4. <laughs> we, we landed on Friday at 4, and then we left on Sunday at like 1.15. Not to nitpick, but it was closer to 5, I think. Delays and such and nonsense. Okay. My anger overflowing because of yet another, yet another Southwest flight attendant with one of those goddamn mesh masks on which is against the rules according to their own website according to the faa rules well and according to southwest's own website i I actually tweeted a picture of the guy this time yeah and then where'd that go (laughs) i don't know but they took care of that situation right away (laughs) i felt like i was getting shined on yeah like like, we're right on top of we're right on top of that rose (laughs) i don't i don't get it hopefully someone does I really felt like quite the Karen by by texting Southwest and tagging them in the tweet, but yeah, whatever, unacceptable, man. Yeah, well, anyway, we had that, we had a good time. No, we had wanna... a fantastic time. It was a great trip. It was very short. It was too short, but we had a very good time. We went with uh, two friends, and it was fantastic. A lot of good food, a lot of good drinks, a lot of beignets, a lot of cafe au lait's, a lot of COVID safety precautions. Yes. So that was surprising, too. I almost ruined the trip, in fact, because I did not have my vaccine card with me. You didn't know you'd need it. And I don't believe I have a photo of it. I probably could have looked through my camera roll and eventually found maybe a photo of both of the vaccines. Certainly not one of my booster. I haven't taken one of it since the booster. But I luckily have the QR code. The state of California allows you to have a QR code. And so I was able to show that everywhere. But everywhere that we went, a bar, dining in, everywhere that we went, even to sit like at the hotel lobby bar, you needed to provide proof of a vaccination with your ID. And and it wasn't just a shine on. Like somebody looks at it like, yeah, okay, come on in. Like, oh, I, I did my duty. I looked at it. I, my eyes passed in front of your thing. Yeah. They didn't do that. <laughs> they actually like like a couple of different places were like, no, I like I need your ID. Then they look at it. Okay, okay, Brittany. And then they looked at your thing. Okay, Brittany, great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then several places looked and even like noticed that we were boosted like yeah. oh you got your booster that's great or some people said team moderna <laughs> yeah 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 so I, listen i would it, it i don't know maybe i'm a weirdo but it and i don't want to get sucked into like you know hygiene theater and feeling safe just because of all the that bullshit but it really did make me feel like oh 
if there's this level of uh, due diligence, like with everybody around us, yeah, then the even if there's like a a, a faker in yeah. the group, mm-hmm. they're going to be so few and far between that really you're pretty protected by being with a bunch of vaccinated people. Yeah, there is one caveat to that, and I will get back to it. But I there's so much hate for hygiene theater. And listen, I want to wrap myself up in hygiene theater. I feel so cozy <laughs> in my hygiene theater. I never want to see a paper menu ever again. I don't ever want to see a doorknob again. Yeah, I don't I don't see how that's not hygiene theater. Well, according to how the coronavirus is spread, it's hygiene theater. You don't need to be washing your groceries, like all those things, oh, right? I see. Like you don't need to be cleaning yeah, surfaces. But it, so but seriously, I mean, if you're not touching a, a what? It, but given the choice between touching a fucking menu or some dirty doorknob that somebody's dick beaters have been all over, <laughs> given the choice of touching them or not touching them, not touching them is more safe. Yeah, it's more clean. It's more hygienic. It's not hygiene theater. Yeah. So one caveat that I wanted to reference is, of course, related to someone being fully vaccinated on their vaccine card. If they are six months past their second shot, that to me, they need their booster. Their immunity is waning. Yes. And so I would feel more comfortable if they were checking and making sure everyone had booster shots or was within their six month. But of course, that's putting a lot on employees of restaurants and we even well, we talked also, to a bartender it, it goes beyond what the mandate of the city of new orleans is sure and we talked to a bartender about it and she was saying that they didn't receive any training on how to look yeah. at the cards how to determine what cards are fake we asked if they have encountered people trying to uh, provide fake cards and that she's had a woman for example who had photos of like 12 different vaccination cards in her camera roll that she got. And they an kicked her out. Yeah, they kicked her out. So I watched people not be able to go in. Yeah. Because a woman didn't have it. She Oh, it's in my car. Mm-hmm. And then she like milled around like a teenager who, <laughs> who, who, who thought they were going to be able to buy cigarettes or something. And yeah. then eventually just left because they weren't taking her in. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was good. You know, I mean, the, the pandemic is continuing and I think, you always hear people say, I'm tired of this. I want things to go back to normal. But it's really important that we kind of adjust to what normal looks like right now. And what normal looks like right now is showing your vaccine card, if that's what is asked. And it, it yeah. certainly had us feeling safer. And we wore a mask everywhere still. And I mean, even in the place that was outdoors, that verified our vaccination cards still said, anytime you're up from your table outside, in this yard, <laughs> put your mask on. Yeah. So good, good rules. We appreciated that New Orleans took those steps. I mean, that's probably unnecessary, but oh, it's not hurting anybody to do it. It right. wasn't an imposition. It's not fucking oppression or tyranny. It's just exactly. Just, exactly. Dude, just, you know, we got to get up through this together. Yeah. Really, this is a team effort here. Yeah. You and got it's your not dicks, a big deal. You got your dicks who don't want to do it. Yeah, and it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It did not create less of a good time. In fact, it created more of a good time because we felt more comfortable having a very, very good time. Yeah, it, it was. It was, and you know what's weird? You do you know what's weird, Brittany? What's weird, Jesse D? What a fucking clown! Um, is the 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 night before we flew out? I look on Facebook, and one of our friends formerly of Boise, or a set of friends formerly from Boise, who now live in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. were on a plane on their way to New Orleans. Yeah. So we got to connect with them. Yes. That was awesome, too. Also, I 
I want to say I saw on one of the posts, one of the pictures that we we shared, that Mr. Accent, that I want to just wrap myself up in his accent, Andrew from New Orleans, mm-hmm. he commented, is like, ah, I would have loved to see you guys. And that would have been great, but I... Well, it was a it was a quick trip. Very quick. We intentionally did not announce. Also, we were going there with friends, so it was kind of a a trip that we were taking with another party. Yeah, we already I already kind of cramped their style by like, hey, let's go to this like punk rock bar that's way <laughs> out in the middle of somewhere that we don't. Can I tell you out. how old I felt when I walked in there and I couldn't hear anything anyone was trying to say, and I went over to you. And Tom and I said, I can't hear anything. I'm going outside. Like I'm leaving. I cannot be in here right now. Yeah. I couldn't hear anything too loud. And I'm like, this is what it's this is what being old is. What was the name of the band that was playing? Hillbilly Casino, I think. I, I think that's it. Out of Nashville, Tennessee. I believe so. The yeah. lead singer looked like my relative. He looks like your uncle. Yeah. I have an uncle who's also in He's a band. Like a, it looked like a thin, more handsome version of your uncle. Maybe though it's it's like because your your uncle plays a, a genre of music that's adjacent to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just it's part of the like they all get the same plastic surgery or something to to look like <laughs> that. Yeah, to look like my uncle. The slick back hair and shit. Yeah. Anyway, anyway they all go to the same stylist. Yes, yes. <laughs> you don't need plastic surgery for slick back hair. That's true. No, yeah. that is true. <laughs> so anyway, it was a good time. We appreciate you guys giving us a day to. To unfuck myself. Yeah. Real tired. Mm-hmm. Very tired. Yep. Kind of a tired guy. <laughs> it happens. It does. So moving on, uh, all of the fridge magnets have gone out. Or not all. No. I'm sorry. I no. really botched that. All the ones that were mailed from uh, previous and longer standing Patreon supporters, not newly signed up ones, or the ones... All right. Just, no, the ones A that... bunch have gone out, and there's a bunch we need to send out. Yes. So if you... I am a nightmare! If you became a Patreon supporter, basically any time after mid-November, then we are going to be taking care of your magnets ourselves, because we could not give your address to the magnet shipper people. <laughs> so people have already been getting them. Listen, don't be afraid to take photos of it. You're not going to be spoiling a surprise. These people spoiled it for themselves when they didn't get their address in on time. Okay. Wow. The shame is <laughs> thick in here. So go ahead, <laughs> share in the joy of the magnet that you're receiving. It's your end of your Patreon gift. You should be soaking that up and sharing that experience with other listeners. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. It on thick. So that's a thick schmear of whatever that was. We're going to get those out steadily throughout the week and they will be out by Friday. Now, of course, if you are becoming a Patreon supporter anytime today, the 7th of December before the end of the month, yours will be going out throughout the month. We are running this promotion. Any Anyone who becomes a Patreon supporter before the end of the month still gets the magnet. This is for all Patreon tiers. So if you did not get a magnet and you're listening to this and you're like, what the hell? I've been a Patreon supporter and I haven't gotten mine. Message us. We'll get it figured out. We want everyone to get these. They're really cool. So Patreon.com slash I Doubt It podcast, and that's where you find all the information for that. All right. Well, let's get to some listener communication, but before we do, I want to drop the phone number, 657-464-7609, or of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I Doubt It at dollamore.com. That is how to contact the show. That is how to help us move the conversation forward. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. 
This is Matt from Texas again, uh, fellow liberal cuck. Uh, <laughs> he was just listening to the December 3rd episode and um, about the critical race theory issue with Ruby Bridges and MLK and all this shit and, and uh, you know, it, 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 it's mind-numbingly uh, hypocritical of these assholes. They, 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 they're of two minds. Half of them want to homeschool their kids because they don't want them to have a secular education in the public schools or they can't afford private school or whatever. And then uh, they infect like a virus our schools with these right-wing quasi-religious bullshit theories, bullshit ideas, not theories, but ideas. And so now I'm about to have my second child. Uh, My my first kid is almost 20. I don't know why I decided to have a new one now, but... My my wife decided to have one, but anyway, uh, so we're about to have another one, and we're 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 moments away from her going into labor. We don't; it could be any moment now. But anyway, and I'm thinking, man, and I work from home, so I'm thinking, I, I guess I'm going to have to homeschool my kids so he get a proper proper uh, secular education. Anyway, uh, fucking fuck, um, just fuck. I hate the state so goddamn much. I have so many good good friends that are just so good to me and family that are so good to me and, and, and the government makes me hate fucking living here. Anyway, I, you guys are great. Uh, uh, I'm at a loss most of the time. I mean, I could scream and yell about a million things, but it doesn't do any goddamn good, unfortunately, so. Uh, I hope you guys had a good time in NOLA. It's one of my favorite cities. Uh, I haven't taken my, my second wife there yet, but we, we keep talking about it. So once this baby gets done being raised for a year or two, maybe we'll head out, head down there. But anyway, you guys be safe getting out to DC and, and have a good week. Bye. Well, thanks, Matt. Yeah. Um, this is another one of those things. This is what was striking me as he was talking. Is this is another instance of when people say, "If you don't like it there, like oh, you don't like Georgia, you don't like whatever, just move." Yeah, you don't like the abortion laws in your state, just move. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works, man. No, people don't have access to liquid cash to just move out of state and leave their network of support. the 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 grandparents that might be able to watch the kids or the friends and the extended family. It, it, it's not as easy as that. Yeah. It's hard to leave your community. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get it. Totally get it. So um, I don't know what the solution is. Obviously, we don't we don't purport to know and have all the answers. But it is an odd thing that now people are like, as, as evidenced by Matt's frustration, that people are like, well, maybe am I going to have to homeschool my kid in order to get a secular, normal education? Because normally people, in my experience, who homeschool their kids, they're they're trying to avoid the secular thing. Like all the people I've known who've gotten homeschooled. I'm sure there's exceptions. I know there's exceptions. Mm-hmm. But that's a common refrain that you hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in my experience, 
typically homeschooling was correlated with increased religiosity. religiosity. Yeah. (laughs) Where people that were practicing some sort of religious tradition wanted to kind of have more control over what their kids were learning. You wanted to be able to teach their kids that the earth is 7,000 years old. You know, them times. (laughs) Wanted to have more control. (laughs) (laughs) But the CRT thing in Texas, it is amazing watching... All across the country, at the at the behest of and the influence of Donald Trump, this CRT thing be, we still need a drop for it, but be completely blown out of proportion as something that it absolutely is not, and they're incorporating all these other things into and calling it CRT. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the call, Matt. We appreciate it very much. Next call. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is John from New Hampshire. Um, I did send an email to you about... Uh, the critical race theory watch, uh, maybe it got missed, got sent to spam because you don't know it. I don't blame you for it. Uh, but I was listening to your most recent podcast, 762 and the Moms for Liberty. Well, the New Hampshire chapter is also playing disgusting games with critical race theory. They have, so in, I don't know exactly when the date was, I think it was early fall, New Hampshire passed a divisive concepts law, basically banning anything, the teaching of anything that could be seen as divisive. Um, it's very open-ended, very broad on purpose to restrict uh, what teachers can teach here in New Hampshire. And along with that, they said if a teacher is caught doing things, teaching these subjects, uh, you can be fired or and lose your teaching license in, here in New Hampshire. And, well, Moms for Liberty loved that law, of course, and so they put out a bounty on the head of teachers. So if you report a teacher in the state of New Hampshire for teaching a divisive concept, you can be awarded $500 by Moms for Liberty, and that teacher could lose their job. This group has literally put out a bounty on the heads of teachers. Um, I I think it's absolutely disgusting, and needs to be shut down immediately. So, yeah, I uh, just wanted to let you know and keep you in the loop on that. And uh, if you could broadcast that out there and make sure that people are aware of the atrocities going on here in New Hampshire, um, we're kind of overlooked though sometimes because we're a really small state. Um, but not only are they, they doing this, but they're doing some pretty hefty voter suppression of college students um, because New Hampshire is like 98% white. So the Democrats in the state of New Hampshire are usually the younger college students, and they're putting out a lot of uh, suppression on them as well. I love your show. Uh, I think both of you are the best part. Bye. <laughs> Jesse loves that. What are you talking about? When when people don't choose a side. You love that. Well, people are cowards. <laughs> how, how involved in the community is the caller? That's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, great. several examples. And uh, New Hampshire, I've never visited. I'm looking forward to visiting. John. John, yeah. now, now that we're going to be on the East Coast, I'm looking forward to visiting all of the states on the East Coast that I have not yet visited. You ve- you, and New Hampshire is one of those like states. It is like your new... It's my new goal. Your new thing yeah. is how much travel we're going to be doing on the East Coast because it's Everything's close. Yes, absolutely. But like John said, New Hampshire, things aren't going super well. And this proposed bill that John is referencing, HB 1, 
1255. Don't know what I was going to do there. Titled, quote, an act relative to teachers loyalty seeks to ban public school teachers from promoting any theory that depicts U.S. history or its founding in a negative light. Wow. I mean, that's just that's the most brazenly written one I've heard (laughs) because there's. What, there's no negative shit going on in no. our in our history. No, no. You can't depict anything in a negative light. Trail of Tears. That was the party of of the the march, the forced march. Mm-hmm. No, we can't say forced. It was just the party. Yeah, good times. So the bill's primary sponsor is a representative named Alicia Lickus, Lickus, Republican. Lickus. I struggle with the pronunciation. Let's go names. with Lickus. Okay, so. Um, she says that this bill is not going to keep a teacher from teaching history. It just says that if you're going to teach it, you gotta do a good job of it. You can't teach one-sided history, but just everything that's positive. It's not one-sided, not one-sided, but it's everything that's positive, just no negative. Republicans in Concord want to update an obscure Cold War era law on, quote, teacher's loyalty that bans educators from advocating for communism in schools. Back in 1949, everybody knew that communism was Karl Marx's improvement on socialism. So today we've lost that. Now reps are seeking to add to the existing loyalty statute prohibitions against teachers advocating for socialism or Marxism in the classroom. And their new legislation, House Bill 1255, goes further, saying, quote, No teacher shall advocate any doctrine or theory promoting a negative account or representation of the founding and history of the United States of America in New Hampshire public schools, which does not include the worldwide context of now outdated and discouraged practices. Such prohibition includes, but is not limited to, teaching that the United States was founded on racism. What we've gone through in terms of slavery and, and racism, and it, those are legitimate topics to talk about, but uh, saying that our country was founded on uh, the basis of slavery or that we were um, and still are a, uh, a racist country or state, um, I think, is uh, not valid. Violations would trigger disciplinary sanctions. Advocates say that threat would have a chilling effect on the teaching of subjects that involve racism, like American slavery. We just need to have more conversations about these topics and understand each other rather than saying we can't have conversations about these topics. We spoke with a conservative member of the State Board of Education who opposes critical race theory, but believes this bill, as it's currently written, is too heavy-handed. But it does continue a conversation of what is the thin line between censorship and um, protection? And what conversations can we have that acknowledge the steeped, really deep-rooted racism in our country, but also acknowledges that our country is a great place? In Concord, Adam Sexton, WMUR News Not. I just love the hypocrisy of free speech warriors. You know, free speech warriors are always talking about the only answer to bad speech is more speech or better speech. Yeah, right. All the time you hear that. I mean, it's usually... In response to Nazis yeah, and like, racism. Uh, the Nazis are marching. Well, just shout them down. It's more speech. It's good. That's going to do it. Yeah, the better idea will win out. That's right. Right? <laughs> not in this case. Yeah, not in this case. In this case, it's... Ban the books! Yeah, you want to teach kids about racism? Ban the books. Fire the teachers. Pass well, it's legislation. Also, it's also the cancel culture people. Yes. Who are now wanting to cancel the books, cancel the teachers, right? target all these groups. I mean, 
It's just hypocrisy. Well, and it's the people who believe that that young adults, young people in general are being coddled and it's a participation trophy culture. Right. So rather than empowering your kids to be able to take on ideas and handle these things, they're saying, no, we need to protect these children from learning about the realities of American history. Well, it is. They're too delicate. Where's the positivity? Like, what are you going to, how are you going to frame, like, internment camps during World War II? Were those just free desert vacations? Slavery? What's the, what's the upside Mm -hmm. of slavery? Right. Of systematic rape and murder and torture and enslavement for hundreds of years. And then post-slavery, where they were, I mean, goddamn, there are many chapters in American history that are filled with terrible times for non-white people. Well... And we're just supposed to ignore it and and, and put a posit... Just smile. (laughs) Everything's great. Yeah. Well, you're going to be very disappointed by the next clip because one of the co-sponsors of the bill, Erica... Leon was asked by a local news reporter how teachers should approach subjects like the three-fifths compromise in the United States Constitution if this bill is to become a law. If this became law, what would be the appropriate way for a teacher to address something like the three-fifths compromise in the Constitution, which basically invalidated the humanity of enslaved people who were black in, in America? I mean, th- that's a racist aspect of America's founding. Is that run afoul somehow to bring this up in the classroom? Well, when you're bringing this up in the classroom, you should go back to some of the historical documents. Um, the Three-Fifths Compromise actually made it so that the slaveholding South didn't have more of a voice in Congress. They actually were worried that if, for representation, they counted each slave as, an, as a whole vote and a whole voter, that then there might be more slavery throughout the country. And what? that it would be unequal, not, it would be unequal because a viewpoint that was on its way out would be overrepresented. So... The idea of saying that somebody is less than a human is abhorrent. It's terrible. It's something that we shouldn't do. They were trying to figure out how to have a representative democracy without having a toxic view take hold and overwhelm the rest of this new, new forming country. It was rational, but it was also racist, though, right? I mean, it, it, it's not a good thing to do. If you look at it, you know, it wasn't it was all slaves. So when you have. Wait a minute. Isn't that a negative portrayal? Well, well, it wasn't a good thing well, to do. Is it, was that uh, was that racist? By the way, great voice. Was that racist? Uh, it wasn't great. <laughs> That's not positive. <laughs> I thought she was supposed to be putting this positive spin on the history. Where is that positive spin? Had indentured slaves that were coming over from Ireland. They also counted as three fifths. No, um, my family, the Indians. I'm part Cherokee. Oh, um, you are. We were also counted as three fifths within that. So it wasn't good. But when you look at what else was happening in the world at the time, you didn't have representative democracies. (laughs) There's so much in there. She's hitting all of the notes, right? She's part Cherokee. So she she has the authority to speak on these issues. And no, no, no. I mean, I I understand that you're questioning what I'm saying, but I'm I'm part Cherokee myself. (laughs) Okay, Irish were not slaves. So interesting that she throws the Irish slave thing in there. Right. A popular meme of the alt right. Right. They were not at all three fifths. It's just not. It's not a factual statement. So what they do is they reinterpret history. 
they want history taught their way, and in order to justify that, they rewrite history, mm-hmm. and she's just told a litany of lies. Right. And again, using tropes from neo-Nazis and, and white supremacy groups mm-hmm. who claim that, oh, it wasn't just the blacks who were slaves, the Irish were too. No, they fucking weren't. Yeah. <laughs> so this Erica Leon has uh, widely been panned on Twitter, and rightfully so, for all of the reasons that you just stated, Jesse, including the many historical inaccuracies as she's advocating for a bill that would ban the certain teaching yeah, of factual to, information. She's trying to protect the, the, the teaching of history in, in her school district while butchering History. Like, yes. She's not the advocate she thinks she is. Yeah. But it's not a it's not advocacy for history though. It's advocacy for protecting the white history of America. Yeah. That is what this is. Right. And acting as though because she's part Cherokee that that confers on her some unique ability to have this viewpoint on yeah. teaching racism in schools. It's akin and I'm not I don't know whether she's part Cherokee, but it's it's akin um, to I got lots of black friends. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're. It doesn't. Well, especially in the context that she said it. It that's doesn't how she indemnify meant it. you from your terrible fucking white supremacist beliefs. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So is Enrique Tarrio of Cuban descent, the leader of the Proud Boys. Mm. It doesn't. He still leads a white supremacist organization. Mm-hmm. The fuck out of here. Yeah. So anyway, last time on the show we talked about uh, the Supreme Court case. Um. The, the the one in which Roe versus Wade is absolutely imperiled right now. The Supreme Court is going to rule uh, announce their ruling likely in the summer, maybe the spring. And um, we want to talk about exactly how that's going to have an impact. This this ruling and, and all of the, the consternation surrounding it, how it's going to impact the 2022 elections. Democrats have responded by trying to shore up reproductive protections at the federal level. We need to codify this into law. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen in the Senate. I, you know, I was on a text chain yesterday with members who feel like there is still real possibility. I'm Republican Senator Susan Collins back at the center of this debate after voting to confirm Justice Kavanaugh. I do not believe that Brett Kavanaugh will overturn. His precedents are overturned. Telling NBC News this week she's open to federally protecting abortion access, albeit in a more limited way. These December Supreme Court arguments teeing up a bombshell springtime decision right in the middle of the 2022 midterms. And I think that that element of, of people trying to control our bodies is something that is going to reverberate with people across the country and into the ballot boxes. And Ali joins me now live. Ali, good morning. As I said, this has been a cultural and political fight for generations. So you touched on the midterm elections coming up next year. How might a sweeping change in abortion laws play out there? It could have a big impact, Willie, because in the midterms, Democrats believe this could galvanize their base, especially if Roe were to fall or its protections were to be chipped away at. Because for Democrats, they think it'll underscore for voters why it's so critical for them to keep and grow their congressional majorities. But conservative voters could also see the fruits of their electoral labor in this, too, because Trump and Republicans have for decades run on putting conservative justices on the courts. And when it comes to the precedent that this could set, 
There are also some who argue that this could have ripple effects beyond abortion, connecting this battle for the private right to choose to other court-decided issues like same-sex marriage. Willie? Mm. We will find out in the span of the next few months. Ali Vitali, thanks so much, Ali. We appreciate it. So there's a discussion happening right now about whether the threat to Roe is going to be enough to mobilize Democrats in 2022 to get people to the polls. And I don't know what you think, Jesse, but some of this commentary centers on the fact that in places like Virginia and New Jersey, that the issue of abortion didn't move people to the polls, knowing that uh, this challenge was coming before the Supreme Court. And in fact, when asked in those elections how important abortion was as an issue to voters, it wasn't an issue that was super important for Democrats, but was one that was really important for Republicans, yeah. for example. I see that you are wanting to... Well, the reason I think that is, is that because people, it's been around for 40 years, people don't think there's a threat to it. Yeah. Democrats don't buy into or didn't buy into the the very real, it's the same people who did the lesser of two evils, I can't vote for Hillary Clinton. Blah, 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 blah. They also, I, I believe, felt ah, it's safe. It's mm-hmm. abortion. Mm-hmm. My entire life, it's been, it's been legal and mm-hmm. there's been easy access for the most part. Mm-hmm. So they didn't feel it was that threat. Now, maybe it will mobilize Democrats because they'll be like, oh, fuck, I was a dumb shit. I was fucking wrong. This is very much imperiled and I need to get involved. I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully, maybe that's just optimistic Jesse talking. Yeah. I but mean, let, I- let me say one thing real quick. Is Susan Collins is a fucking piece of work. She says she's open to providing federal protections for abortion. She's open to it. This is your fucking fault, lady. Well, yeah, and I... So I read an article by... I don't don't know why I did that. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. I want to... Let me ask a question. Okay. When did you become the president of the Susan Collins (laughs) fan club? When did I get my Susan Collins tattoo? (laughs) I, I am not the president of Susan Collins... Fan club, and I do not have a Susan Collins tattoo. You're the treasurer. I, in fact, have no tattoos of Susan Collins or anyone else. <laughs> we'll see how things go, though. I'm I may get one in the future. So, I I read an article by Rebecca Traster, and she made a really great argument about all the different people that are out there blaming Donald Trump for this, blaming Hillary Clinton for this, blaming people who didn't vote for Hillary Clinton for this, like we have been on the show. I think all of these various people share. Absolutely, there's shared blame. Yes, share the blame. But I also, what I loved about Rebecca Traster's article was how she took us through the history of how Republicans have been diligently working to dismantle abortion rights in this country and how this has been decades in the making. And Democrats have not been for decades active in ensuring that abortion rights were protected. Have not been up to the task, just like they're not now, because where's the talk of getting rid of the filibuster? And that's that's exactly the point. And I think we talked about the Democratic account on Twitter tweeting during all of this, elect Democrats to protect abortion rights. It's like, we did. Yeah. And we do. And what happened? And they are elected. Yeah. So, like, how many more do you need before you... Right. Start doing this. And everyone has been pointing back to... And we have two Democrats in the Senate from Georgia 
from fucking Georgia. Voters did their job securing an out the the the, the off chance the, the the outside chance the against all odds Democratic Senate we have it because well in large part because black women showed up at the polls in Georgia, but you're right we did it mm-hmm. now do your fucking jobs yeah and there's a lot of people that have been pointing to President Obama because apparently when he first got into office he was saying that he was going to pass a federal protection for abortion, and then that issue never came. Yeah, he uh, said a lot of stuff when he was coming into office. He was going to close Guantanamo like the first three and a half minutes of being in office, and well, Guantanamo's still open. And so this, but this is where the frustration comes in: is even when there's a supermajority, and Democrats do have the yeah. power that they aren't doing what's necessary to ensure that these things are put through, and what's stopping them? Because now the damage is done. But yeah. they still can fix this by passing a federal abortion protection. Which is going to take abolishing the filibuster. Yes. Which, what the fuck are you doing? Get off your goddamn hands and get something done. And listen, if you don't want to hear us whine like this, you might as well turn the episode off because we're going to be talking about voting rights later. <laughs> because abolishing the filibuster also comes with protecting voting rights. And it's getting to the point where... I'm wondering what the hell the plan is to mobilize Democrats. I mean, we have the threat to democracy. We have the fact that Donald Trump could be elected president again in 2024. And it's the end of our democracy at that point. And what are we doing about it? We have we have President Biden getting up there and talking about how thankful he is for Republicans. I mean, this is not the time for any of this. You know, the phrase I'm fucking tired of hearing. We need a strong, robust Republican Party. You know who said that the other day? Anderson Cooper. And Van fucking Jones. I watched that interview. Anderson Cooper said that the other day about Uh, how important it is to have a strong Republican Party. And I'm standing in the kitchen yelling at Anderson Coop saying, why? Why is it important that this country have a strong Republican Party? Yeah. (laughs) Why? Does anyone ask these people why they're saying that? Is he... Is he... fucking listening to himself yeah, right now no yeah. better time to drop that one. i should have known that was coming when you stopped making eye contact with me and you started searching in desperation on your computer bye, bye. <laughs> all right so is everyone feeling positive about everything did we make sure that we put a positive spin on all of that no negative talk here right <laughs> That's right. No turns to Only negative town. Only the positive in, in our this podcast. Okay. It's we're like New Hampshire here. <laughs> we're just like New Hampshire. <laughs> anyway, we'd love to know what you guys think. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. I doubt it is a listener supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We'd like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Carolyn S. Carolyn S. Douglas G. Douglas G. Susan G. Susan G. Erica H. Erica H. Maria LP. Maria LP. Lucy R. Lucy R. Val C. The second. Val C. The second. John H. John 
H. Thank you so very much to the new Patreon supporters, but we would also like to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters who upped their pledge. Sam T. Sam T. Sam T doubled the pledge. Very awesome, Sam T. Sam T also sent us a message saying that he was going to uh he was going to up the pledge multiple weeks just to hear his name on the show, but decided he didn't want to put us through that. Well, you know, we love Sam T. Sam T is a longtime Patreon supporter, a longtime listener of the show, a very special human, very beautiful human. So special shout out to Sam T. We also want to give a shout out to Rusted Ducks Design. Rusted Ducks Design, probably getting a free promotion right now. Actually, it's not free. It's paid for by their Patreon pledge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More than doubled the pledge on Patreon. So thank you very much, Rusted Ducks Design. Giving you several shout outs there. What Shout out for what? For Rusted Ducks Design. There we go. One more. Okay. (laughs) So... Everyone, you should be getting your magnets. They are coming in this kind of nondescript envelope that we weren't aware they would be coming in. We posted this to the Patreon page so you can get a look at it. We posted it on Instagram, on Facebook. It's on all of our social media pages. So if you're wondering where the hell is my magnet, I was in this first run, I don't see it in my mail, go and check and see what that envelope looks like. Check your junk mail again. Again, it's it's coming from our P.O. box. The address is on, on the P.O. Yeah, just look for Newport Beach. Yeah, thank you. And you know check, where our P.O. box is. Check your, your junk mail. So the magnets are going out. We look forward to hearing from you on that. And thank you all very much for helping us do what we do here. We could not do it without your support. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Okay, so while everything burns and continues to be terrible, we had a moment. Only positive outlooks here, everybody. <laughs> we we had a moment during the press briefing yesterday where Press Secretary Jen Psaki was kind of sarcastic about a reporter question related to whether or not the administration should just move forward with I don't know, sending tests to everybody in America for COVID? It is amazing your whitewashing of what took place. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. She was a little bit sarcastic, little Miss Jen Psaki. She was shitty. Okay. She was lame as fuck in in this moment. (laughs) And maybe she doesn't even believe what she's saying because she's just the, the, the press secretary and has to go with what the administration's take is on it. But it is ridiculous that the question is asked uh, why don't you just have the insurance companies send a test to every american i don't even think they're asking i don't think they're saying why have the insurance companies i think they're just saying other countries are able to do this other countries yeah, just yeah. send tests to their citizens i almost said employees basically the same thing <laughs> uh why aren't we doing that same thing here's the clip quick question on testing uh, last week, obviously, the president explained some ramp up in testing, but there's still a lot of countries like Germany and the UK and South Korea that basically have massive testing free of charge or for a nominal fee. Why can't that be done in the United States? Well, I would say first, um, you know, we have 
uh, eight tests that have been approved by the FDA here. Uh, we see that as the gold standard. Uh, whether or not all of those tests would meet that standard is a question for the scientists and medical experts, but I don't suspect they would. Uh, our objective is to continue to increase accessibility and decrease costs. And if you look at what we've done over the course of time, we've quadrupled the size of our testing plan. We've cut the cost significantly over the past few months. And this effort to uh, to push uh, to ensure insurers are you're able to get re your your tests uh, refunded means 150 million Americans will be able to get free tests. That's kind of complicated though. Why not just make them free and give them out to, and have them available everywhere? Should we just send one to every American? Maybe. Then then what ha then what happens if you if every American has one test? How much does that cost? And then what happens after that? I All I know is that other countries seem to be making them available for in greater quantities for less money. Well, I think we share the same objective, which is to make them less expensive and more accessible, right? Uh, every country is going to do that differently. And I was just noting that, again, our tests go through the FDA approval process. That's not the same process that it, it doesn't work that way in every single country. But what we're working to do here is build on what we've done to date and continue to build out our testing capacity because, Mara, we absolutely recognize that this is a key component of fighting the virus. Go ahead. So, of course, when the reporter pushed back on Press Secretary Jen Psaki, she's promoting, Jen Psaki, the idea that insurance companies in President Biden's new solution to this problem are going to reimburse people for the cost of the test. They, but they got to come up with the money first. Well, yeah. I mean, imagine a reimbursement process, any reimbursement process in your life. Usually Any kind it's of made, rebate situation. Usually it's made so cumbersome that it's not worth your time and effort. Yeah, or, I mean, it's just... Nightmarish. Yeah, it's a nightmare. You don't want to invest the time. You feel lazy. I mean, I have rarely followed through on getting things that were rebate situations. Let me say this. <laughs> the, the lengths to which she went to not answer the question and then to be shitty about, well, what do you want us to do? Send a test to everybody? Yeah! <laughs> that message, that, that, that response... If we had, if we could do a deep fake and just put in Kaylee McEnany's voice, <laughs> no one would have thought any different. You could have said that was a clip from the Trump administration when she's asking, well, how much is that going to cost us? Who fucking cares? We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Take care of the American people. Well, and I... I talking about how much money it's going to cost. I do wonder if it is because there is some awareness that that should be happening. Yeah. And there's frustration that that's not happening and yeah. that she's the one that has to take the fall for that no, in, listen, in front of the press. I'm not trying to defend no, her no, no, at no. all. Look, I'm not either. I, and I don't think you are. Oh, you. I think that <laughs> the, a press secretary's job is shitty. Whether you're a press secretary for Trump or Biden or Obama or anybody, it's terrible. But she signed up for the job she's not handcuffed well yeah she could walk away at any time because she is put in a position to defend the indefensible right so other countries can do it we're the richest most amazing country on the planet that's ever existed <laughs> then why the fuck can't we get it done well it was also strange the implication that in other countries the tests that they are sending out to people are like not effective or something because she kept making that point about gold standard bullshit no about the fda approval how how these tests have gone through the fda approval process right. and there's no guarantee that in other countries there's a similar process there so I, i'm not sure what the implication was there or what the specific information is that she has that she wasn't conveying you about know germany really low on the tech on the tech they 
we we can't trust that what they're doing is technologically advanced. Get the fuck out of here. Well, and how much easier would it be for people? I I remember when we were trying to find tests, we went everywhere. We couldn't find tests at at the time. They were expensive. It it was difficult to track them down. We finally found them online. We have a stock. We have four of them, and I think they were forty bucks a piece. Okay, we only have four of them. That's not two, great. <laughs> well, that's all we could find. That's all they had. Yeah, and so this is another situation where testing is an important piece of not continuing the pandemic because when you travel, you want to test when you get back from your travel before you have a gathering or after a gathering. Like there's there's additional precautions that people would be taking if they had easy access to free tests. And there's several elements to why testing is important, one of which is you test like we haven't left the house since we got back we'll probably test on thursday or friday and then not leave until we do and then if we have it we stay in the house so we don't go out and maybe infect someone i mean there's so many reasons Mm -hmm. why having easy access to a test in your home is a really really good idea absolutely that is going to curtail and help the country manage this pandemic in a far more adequate way yes Absolutely. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, we'd love to know what you think. Are we being too hard on Jin Saki? 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So as promised, the complaints are going to keep coming. And this time it is about, well, we won't get there. The, the voting rights situation. We'll explain what we're talking about first. So the DOJ... Merrick Garland, I know you have many issues with Merrick Garland. It's, he is a, a, a dramatic disappointment for me. Yes, but he did come out and announce that the DOJ is suing Texas over their recent voting restrictions. The complaint we filed today alleges that Texas has violated Section 2 by creating redistricting plans that deny or abridge the rights of Latino and black voters to vote on account of their race, color, or membership in a language minority group. In a moment, Associate Attorney General Gupta will describe our complaint in more detail. As many of you know, in 2013, the Supreme Court effectively eliminated the preclearance provisions of the Voting Rights Act, which had been the department's best tool for protecting voting rights. Earlier this year, I noted that this redistricting cycle would be the first to proceed since 1960 without the protection of preclearance. But I also said that the department would use all available authorities and resources to continue protecting the right to vote. In September, the department published guidance based on decades of precedent explaining that Section 2 prohibits vote dilution. Vote dilution occurs when an electoral practice minimizes or cancels out the voting strength of members of a racial group or language minority group. When we issued that guidance, I noted that discriminatory redistricting schemes are illegal and that the department would assess jurisdictions' compliance with those laws during this redistricting cycle. The department's career voting law experts have assessed Texas's new redistricting plans and determined that they include districts that violate the Voting Rights Act. Last month, we filed a separate lawsuit against the state of Texas alleging that Texas Senate Bill 1 improperly restricts the assistance voters who have a disability or who are unable to read or write can receive in the voting booth. 
Last week, we filed a statement of interest in Arizona litigation to explain that private plaintiffs had plausibly alleged that certain new voting laws in that state were passed with a discriminatory purpose. We also filed a statement of interest in Florida litigation explaining, among other things, that private parties can bring claims to enforce the Voting Rights Act. In all of these matters, we have carefully assessed the facts and the law before taking action. I am grateful to the dedicated staff of the voting section for their work today and every day to protect the right of all eligible citizens to vote. So Merrick Garland is making a clear point there that Department of Justice cannot protect voting rights without the assistance of Congress. That is right. Well, oftentimes what happens is people get caught up in like, this is just the way it is. This is the way it should be, people think. But because the Supreme Court ruled the way it did, um, eliminating the need for preclearance for some of these states. Which is the requirement that, that Texas would have needed to get federal approval before redistricting. Because of the history, the clear history of systemic racism and oppression uh, and voting suppression. Right. Um, so what he's saying here, is, well, no, I'm getting back to my point, is that because... Because of that, Congress needs to get their shit together and actually pass the voting rights bill. Mm-hmm. So it's on Congress. That's the way our system works. Mm-hmm. And because of the filibuster, again, because that's still a thing that exists, and Joe Biden is not committed. Again, Joe Biden is not committed. Joe Biden is not committed to abolishing the filibuster. This is where we are in America, where we have all kinds of different states actively, systemically oppressing people of color and their right to vote. Right. And Attorney General Merrick Garland appeared with Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta. And Gupta referenced that what the current issue with Texas is right now is that as a result of the 2020 census, they are poised to gain two seats in the House. But the state has designed both of those seats to have white majorities, and they redrew the lines to eliminate a Latino majority district. Right. So they're going to gain more than just two. They're, they're going to get rid of a Democratic one, and they're going to add another GOP, at least another GOP district. And Gupta noted that this is actually the third time in three decades that Texas has tried to limit voting rights of Latinos in in that district. Yeah. So this is not just happening in Texas. And, and that's the reason that you keep hearing Democrats talk about abolishing the filibuster, passing voting rights. But What's also on the table now is the issue of abortion, giving the very real possibility that Roe v. Wade is going to be either overturned or significantly changed in terms of viability rules. There's going to be some significant change to abortion rights in this country. Even if John Roberts gets his way and they make some weird compromise surrounding viability and pushing back the the timeline of when this is considered viable, there's changes coming. They're not just going to say, oh, no, sorry, Mississippi's okay. Yeah. And or so they're wrong. We're, we're going to rule against them. That's not happening. When we talk about mobilizing Democrats in 2022, it's hard for me to see how that happens without movement on these very significant issues, because otherwise you're going to have greater numbers of people who feel demoralized when it comes to voting for Democrats, wondering 
what the point is. And I know we've struggled with that a lot here in terms of we have been very positive and said, you need to vote. It doesn't matter. And I, I still believe that you need to vote for the party who is standing for the correct things that is best poised to make a difference because it's certainly not the fucking republicans yeah no absolutely and i I don't want us to sow pessimism and inaction here and i hope that that's not what people are getting no oh i would hope not i think that we are look doom and gloom is on the horizon if you don't get your shit together and make sure you vote you bring a family member a friend you talk to your neighbors you really talk get involved in politics talking about exactly what the threats that face us are because if you're if you have your arms around it you're understanding what's happening you're not going to let it happen you're going to make sure that you have to wait in line no matter how fucking long to vote and also officials that are elected officials in the Democratic Party need to understand that they need to do more in order to solidify their position yeah. in power. Yeah, it's not a given. You're not entitled to that position. We'll primary you. We will get rid of you. But we need somebody who's going to act. We need somebody with, with, a, with bold confidence and a vision for how America should be. And it's, it's not, well, the filibuster's pretty fine. It's been around a long time. The traditions of the Senate are bah, immutable. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. Again, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone, as many do, to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We are going to leave you there. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in twice a week or as often as you do helping us move the conversation forward, expanding this family that has grown up around this little show that could. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.